hello to those on the worldwide interwebs. <laughs> Welcome to Echo Online. Buenos dias. Yeah, we're here. Uh, we want to inspire you to take our first steps into our life-giving local church and discover the community and support you've been searching for. Come join us for one of our two services at Mayo High School at either 9.15 or 10.45 on Sundays. We can't wait to meet you and welcome you to our family at Echo Church. Our hope is that Echo will become your place where you feel a true sense of belonging, your people where you find friendships and support, and your purpose where you discover and fulfill your unique calling. We believe that's what we're all searching for, and we're excited to do it with you. That's right. And according to uh, the good old chat GPT here, chat GPT. <laughs> there are benefits to giving to the local church. The second reason is worship and gratitude. Giving is an act of worship and gratitude towards God for the blessings <laughs> we have received. Acknowledge that all good things come from Him. Amen. So donate today. Display your gratitude and appreciation. You can donate by heading to our website or simply Venmo us at We Are The Echo Church. That's right. Enjoy the rest of Echo Online. at my life and I see all that you've done countless testimonies of your love but the greatest one of all is that you rescued me from sin led me right into a brand new life I can't believe how good the Lord is 
come on, lift up a shout of praise. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Father. You know, sometimes when we're so distracted by the things of this world, it's so easy to forget how good God is until he steps right back into your life and you say, oh my gosh, you are so good. You are so gracious. You are so kind. Thank you, Father. Hey, 44 days ago, um, I got off an airplane uh, from Birmingham, Alabama. Come on, somebody. It's a great place to leave. <laughs> now, I love Minnesota. Anybody else love Minnesota? Come on. So 44 days ago, I, I got off an airplane. And, um, and actually, as I was on that airplane um, flying into Rochester, my ankle started swelling up to the place of discomfort, so much so that I loosened my laces. And when I got off the plane, I literally hobbled to my car, barely being able to get there into the, into the parking lot. And it caught me off guard. I, I had felt my ankle was a little off, but it, it just extremely uh, ballooned on that plane ride. And uh, so when I got home, I elevated my, my ankle and my knee and my leg in general, and I iced it for most of the day. And then when Christy was gone, she was, I don't know where she went, I literally crawled up to my bed to get ready to go to bed and um, must have really aggravated that ankle. And for the better part of about two hours, I sat in the bed rolling around in excruciating pain not knowing what was going on. Has anybody ever experienced anything like that? I mean, maybe not with your ankle, but just like it just came out of nowhere. And I remember by the time Christy had gotten home, it was kind of at the peak of the pain. And, and we were calling friends to see what, what I should do next and what, whether we should go into the hospital. And, and, uh, and in the peak moment of that stress, I looked at Christy and I said, uh, you're preaching on Sunday. <laughs> How many of you know that one person's stress can become another person's stress like immediately? <laughs> oh, that's my awkward laugh there. But I was in such pain and, uh, and I couldn't see a way out quick enough for Sunday that I was just smart enough to look at Christy and say, Christy, you need to start mentally preparing. I'll help you get there. But like, like I am in such bad condition here on Friday night that I don't know if I'm going to make it there on Sunday. And, uh, and like I said, needless to say, it, it, it's so funny how uh, anxiety, stress, pressure can be thrown upon somebody else or you yourself, anybody relate to this is wondering um, that you take someone else's stress, anxiety, and pressure and you put it on your shoulders. Come on, someone raise your hand if you're that type of person. It's so easy to do that. And, and I think there's, there are things in life, really kind of what I want to kick the message off here, is there are, when it comes to our anxiety, our, our stress, our pressure, just our ordinary life, there are certain things we can control, and then there's other things that we have zero control over. Y'all get what I'm saying there? But if you're anything like me, you would love to just set up the perfect situation so that you would alleviate any kind of stress pressure, anxiety, or additional issues. And so many and so often uh, we, we try to create that perfect situation to alleviate the pressure. But, but I want to kind of set this bigger theology, uh, the theological concept uh, with God and, and God with us in place so that we can kind of navigate through the next story here and this message correctly. But um, when it comes to the will of God, I want to tell you today, this is the deeper theology, uh, theological concept. Uh, in the will of God, there are moments that won't be exactly ideal. And I only say that because I think some of us, depending on what type of church we grew up in or maybe uh, what kind of preacher you're listening to, sometimes you kind of get that idea that like, like, man, if I give my life to Jesus, things are going to be like rosy and nice and, and things are going to be ideal, right? And, and I just want to tell you, like, like, just because we surrender our life to Jesus doesn't, doesn't really guarantee this, this ideal situation. And, and then at the same time, I want to tell you that there are moments in our life where we're not going to have 
as much peace as we would like to have during certain situations or um, challenges or whatever it might be. And then the last thing I want to say is when it comes to the will of God, it won't always be safe. It just won't. And, and, and this, and I think when we've navigated through the series of uh, when I met anxiety, like, 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 you know, we're, we're kind of like, we're kind of talking about it as like, you know, we're trying to navigate with it. We're trying to like overcome it. Right. Uh, but I think there is a certain stress or pressure or situation in your life. Some of us at some point, like, no, actually I do believe like God is trying to leverage that moment to refine you, to, to be the person that God has called you to be. And I think so often when we hit that roadblock, we're like, but God, I thought you were a good God. Or like, I didn't know this was a part of your will. And I just kind of want to throw that out to you today that, that no, like in life, it, sometimes it's less than ideal. Sometimes there's more pressure than we would like to navigate with. And best, guess what? A lot of times there are certain, or there, there are certain circumstances where we're not exactly going to feel safe, but because God wants to use that moment, I'm telling you, to grow you or to teach you a lesson or to leverage you to make a difference in your world. Uh, But let's lean into scripture today. Exodus 17. Contextually, what's happening is Moses is navigating a bunch of uh, people, people like us, you know, and people that are stubborn, people that kind of figure, you know, partly figured out life. We we like to control certain circumstances. It's difficult to change whatever it is. And and uh, and anyway, they're navigating from place to place through the desert and uh, they they stumble upon this new issue. And the, the newest issue is there isn't any water. And, and actually, I think Moses is probably borderline having an anxiety attack or, you know, one of the most pressurized scenarios in his leadership. Uh, Moses has a conversation with God. In fact, he, he cries out to God and he says, these people are going to kill me. <laughs> I mean, I could imagine them. And I don't think he was exaggerating. I think they were legitimately were going to like take him out. You know, like I couldn't imagine that pressure. And so Moses is dealing with this and, and God remedies that solution. But right after that solution uh, is made, guess what happens? He goes into a whole nother Issue, And this is what we're going to read about right now. In Exodus 17, verse 8, it says this. The Amalekites came and attacked the Israelites in Rephidim. Okay, so just went through a stressful scenario and now just stepping into another one, right? And Moses said to Joshua, choose some men, some of your men, and go out and fight the Amalekites. Tomorrow I will stand on the top of the hill with my staff the staff of God in my hands. Now, let me just pause real quickly. The staff that Moses had in his hand was really a proof of God's presence amongst them. Okay, that's the best summary I can give you in a very short period of time. But Moses, when he started his leadership journey to go ahead and lead the people out of Israel, what did God say? God said, use what's in your hand. And what was in his hand at that very moment was his staff. And God used that staff over and over to prove to him and also the people that God had not forsaken him. So in essence, what Moses is saying, I'm going to go up to the mountain. I'm going to go on top of this hill. And guess who I'm going with? I'm going with God, okay? But Joshua, you're going to go fight the battle for me. So Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered. And Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning, Verse 12, when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone. Okay, so Aaron and Hur, they took a stone and they put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up one side or one on one side and one on the other. So his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekites with the sword. And then verse 14, the Lord said to Moses, write this on a scroll as something to be remembered and make sure that Joshua hears it. How many of you have children that that's how you operate? You know what I'm saying? How many of you have a husband? You know, you're like, like, write it down or he's going to forget. That's me. That's why I'm raising my hand. Like, like, write it down. Write it down. I need it, okay? Because I will completely blot out the name of Amalek under the heaven. 
then Moses built an altar and called it, it, uh, it the Lord is my banner. And he said, because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord, the Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Um, 44 days ago, I had this message written. And I was excited to step into that, that Sunday and, and kick off this series with this idea that I'm going to present here just in a moment. But, um, but I found it absolutely fascinating that a couple weeks ago I was sitting here with Professor Dr. Ron Ferguson. And, and as we were having a conversation, he brought up this story but gave us just a little bit of a snippet of, of how God is in control, right? That God is in our midst. And, and I, I just feel like this is a great story for us to just uh, make a few correlations with this story and our stress or this story and our anxiety. So let me make a few observations and I think we could walk away here and apply those to our life. But number one, uh, Moses never fights in the battle, but he held the stress as a leader. Does anybody relate out there? <laughs> Y'all get what I'm saying? Like, like there's so many circumstances now that as, as a leader, as a father, as a husband, like, like, like my, I might not be in the battle, but I carry the stress of the family. I carry the stress of the church situa- situation or whatever it might be. And I, I think what we need to hear today is this one simple concept, okay? When it comes to just believing that, that although we're, we're in this leadership opportunity, that, that we need to learn that there is a difference between caring and carrying, that's a hard thing to say fast, and, and I'll be thrown on the screen here in a moment. We need to learn the difference between caring and carrying. And, and I didn't tell my friend um, Callan, but I need your help. Could you come up here? And he's going to help me illustrate this. You just jump right on that. Jump right here and come up. Hey, let's hear for Callan here. And just to overtly make it very clear the difference between caring. Caring, hey, how you doing, buddy? How are you? Okay. How was your day? Good. Good, okay. So many of us, we, if we're in a healthy place of leadership, we, we do this. We're, we walk along each other and care for each other and check in. But so many uh, times, we as leaders, as we in, as parents, we do this. Like, don't, you don't fight it, though, buddy. He must be a teenager. Whoa. So there's a difference between caring and caring. Do y'all get what I'm saying? He obviously deals with fear. Oh, I did not anticipate that one. Get out of here. Oh, he smudged my glasses. I, I wanted to overtly make that obnoxious. Now, now Callan went over the top. Literally, figuratively, metaphorically, but um, I, I think a lot of us as leaders and as parents, we're navigating through anxiety that we're not meant to carry. Like, like, let me say it like this, like some of us leaders and entrepreneurs, like you're carrying everybody else's anxiety. So much so that it just messes with your whole being. And I, I do believe we got to find that fine line of caring, and then also going to bed at night and actually sleeping. Do y'all get what I'm saying? Now, on the flip side, there are some of us in the room that just don't really give a rip. (laughs) The one thing that you care about is yourself, which is fine. You should care about yourself because God cares for you. But, But I think we all could learn that art of and the balance of actually caring the way that God wants you to carry and and just understand that within the will of God like it's not just about you and and about how you feel and 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 all your needs to be met but God has placed you in a specific scenario and a specific leadership opportunity or a peer scenario to walk alongside someone and care for them but I just want to warn you like like you've got enough stress and issue of your own to to care for and we're not called to carry everybody else's in an unhealthy way you you know whose job that is? God. Amen. I, uh, I, I just think one of the things we're 
I'm most proud of at Echo is that this church is full of people that care for one another. That there are, there's so many people that are dedicated and, and, and absolutely uh, giving their heart and soul to care for not each other, not, over, not only each other, but also for Echo Church. In fact, last Sunday night, we had our Echo team party. Come on, someone, was that a blast or what? We had 150 people up at the, at the top of uh, the hilltop uh, venue, and we just had a blast. But, but I kind of took a step back as the pastor, and I was like, wow, you know why I love what we do every Sunday? Why I'm not stressed beyond uh, um, that I could imagine? Because I am surrounded by so many people that are caring or care, caring uh, and, 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 and really doing their part to serve the community and serve the church. And, and so I, I just thought about the tech department so many, so many times. Uh, the only kind of credit they get is when things go wrong. And so I think this is a great opportunity. Oh, okay, there we go. <laughs> but I do, let's appreciate the tech department. I mean, you guys kill it every week and really honestly. And then I think about, I, I think about like everybody, how about the band? Didn't they, didn't they kill it too today? Um, and then I think about the load in and the load out and, and how many people are serving and, 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 like, and like, like what I've realized is they're, they're, and again, we are in need of help, by the way, and more help. And, and because, and I'll tell you this, is, is this is what I believe is like here at Echo Church, like I believe in a multi- multitude of people helping because many people create light work. Yes. And if you're in a service opportunity here, the vast majority of you do very little. And, I'm saying, and again, I'm not downplaying what you do, but I'm saying like we do very little. We do it intentionally because then we can be with each other doing that little together. Y'all get what I'm saying? Like, like it's just a blast to do that. And so I just want to honor everybody that serves. And, and yet I want to invite someone that's here and you haven't really taken that step into uh, utilizing your gifts and your talents and making a difference and carrying carrying caring for people. That's really a tongue twister to figure out the difference between there. But, uh, but honestly, to, to give your heart and soul uh, to those around you in a healthy way. The second observation is this, is that um, I believe that this wasn't Moses's fight. You know, on the onset, just kind of on the surface level, it's like, no, no, but no, he's the leader. Like, no, this is his fight. No, no, this isn't Moses' fight. This is God's fight. Okay, and, and as much as we'd like to give, and we should give Moses some credit for the outcome of the fight, the majority of the outcome of the battle and the victory is actually God's. Like, God is the one who determines the outcome. Y'all get what I'm saying there? Like, God determines your outcome. And, 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 and when I think about Moses and him standing on a hill and, like, like his one job, I mean, I could literally just think about it. About anybody in this room could do this. His one job was just to raise his hands up. Okay, and I know that would get tired, you know, tiresome after a while, but literally, like, like, if that's all I had to do in life is raise my hands and I could get the outcome that I desire, man, that would just be nice. And here's the truth. The outcome was determined by God. And what I don't want to do is, I don't want us to be fooled that the outcome is up to us. We have a part to play. Yes, we should care. Yes, we should go ahead and jump onto the team and be a part of the kingdom of God. But I also want to tell you this and throw this idea out that Moses had virtually no control over the outcome. And, and let me just, and again, this is just my opinion here. So, but like, actually, when I read this story, it actually just feels like, 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 like Moses made this observation during this war. Like, well, if my hands fall, then like, we start losing. And they put his hand up and then you know, all of a sudden they start seeing victory. And, and like, honestly, like it kind of like, and, and again, I, I, I might be kind of like skirting the line here a little bit, but like it kind of feels a little superstitious a little bit. And, and it's like, it reminds me of some of you Viking fans out there. Do you know what I'm saying? Like you have a good season and you start wearing the same hat and the same undershirt and the same underwear for days because the last time you did it, you didn't change it, you know, and, 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 and you just start and then you like roll out of bed a certain way and, and you, you have that certain lunch and you just, you know what I'm saying? Like, 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 like the truth be told, all you Viking fans, you have zero ounce of control of the outcome 
of them ever winning a Super Bowl. <laughs> oh, and God help us all this season. But y'all get what I'm saying? Like, like, yes, Moses played a part, but man, this was, the outcome was determined by God. And, 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 and I don't know if there's really not, uh, I don't really know if there's much of a difference today. And, and, and in fact, I, I just want to throw this really, um, maybe bigger idea out that I think many of ours, and not, not all of ours, but a lot of our issue um, our issues with anxiety, actually, if we trail it deep enough, would lead us to us and a control issue. Like, I actually think the majority of us, we walk in here, and the reason why we're stressed, we're pressured, we're, we're full of anxiety is because we have a control issue. We're trying to control something. We're trying to control a situation. We're trying to control a person, right? You're going to try to control the outcome of our life. And, and, and I just, I really feel passionate in telling you that actually like, like the control is actually supposed to be given to God. Like the, your outcome is supposed to be determined by God. And, and some of you have been kicking and screaming and trying to deal with the outcomes or deal with your anxiety. And, and I, just, I just sense like today, there's just a reminder that some of you just need to surrender again and say, God, I can't do this, but you can. I actually, I actually think anxiety is kind of like an avocado. You know what I'm saying? Like you ever caught one of those things, you know, they're the coolest looking things ever. You, you, you slice through the, the, uh, the skin, right? Whatever, the outer, the outer shell. And then you crack it open and you see the, the part where you eat, right? And then in the middle of it is the, or the core. And actually what I think on the outside of that avocado is stress, pressure, anxiety. But at the core of most of, a, of that outer symptom, the outer shell, the core of that, the, the seed, is control. And then if we were to kind of dissect it even more, and I don't have much time to really do this, but I'm going to throw out this idea that the, that the, in, the inner layer, you know, the stuff that we consume um, is, is, is acted out, our stress, our pressure, and us trying to navigate with the, the inner, um, really, the, the inner heart of control of situation as those things are fleshed out with fear, those things are motivated by shame, maybe our responsibility, personality, our performance, I'm sorry, not personality, time, time management, not having enough, like that just exaggerates the stress. Or in some of us, this sin. Sin, sin is, is what's creating a lot of that anxiety and stress in our life. And, uh, and, and, and let me tell you the big idea. This is one thing I want you to write down. This is what I want you to take home. And I, I think we need to understand this, is anxiety is merely a surface level issue. It serves as a symptom. Did you all see that right there? Your anxiety is not your issue. I believe it's a symptom to a deeper issue, one that may be unveiled, or one that may unveil a deeper core problem rooted in the need for control. I find this challenging. And again, I don't think that this is for everybody, but I think it is for somebody that some of the ongoing stress and pressure that you're experiencing comes back to a control issue. The, the third observation, and then we're going to close here, is Moses was positioned in the right spot. Moses said, Joshua, you're going to go fight it with these select group of men, and I'm going to go on top of the hill. And Moses positioned himself where he needed to be. And I think so many of us, we're not positioning ourselves in the right space. And because we're not positioning ourselves in the right space, we're stuck in the valley fighting a battle that God is meant to fight for you. Now, I find absolutely, I, I, love, I love looking into the names of, of names particularly, or actually the meanings of names, particularly in, in the Old Testament. When you look up the word Amalek, it means the valley dweller. So I think so many times as we are dealing with depression, anxiety, what, whatever issue we might be dealing with, we go down into the valley where that stuff sits. And, and, and again, Amalek is the enemy. And I just want to tell you that like, like anxiety, yes, although it can, it can flesh out 
as a physical or emotional thing, that this is a deep spiritual battle that is happening in your life. And there is an enemy that is real and trying to destroy you in the process. But so often what we do is we go into that valley and yes, we met, we met anxiety. And although like, like at some point we all meet anxiety, we're not all meant to become his best friend. Like this isn't supposed to be something where we're supposed to stay down in a valley and stay there forever. And, and so like I find it absolutely fascinating that, that anxiety or Amalek and the battle is to be fought in the valley. But Moses is supposed to be placed upon the hill. I, I got a quote for you. Anxiety does not empty tomorrow of its sorrow, but only empties today of its strengths. And so often we sit in the valley. That's by the way by Charles Spurgeon, and, and, and I feel like what God is calling us to do today, and some of us, he's calling us out of those low spaces in our life, and that we are supposed to come, sit, sit on the hill, and stand upon his word, understanding that he's got more power within his truth than anxiety has with the lies that it tells you. Listen to a few scriptures, Matthew 24, 35, as we sit upon the rock, heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never pass away. Second Timothy 3, 16 and 17 says this, all scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking and correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped to do every good work. I'm telling you what, the word of God is positioned for us to stand upon so that we are no longer standing with the anxiety that is clinging to us. This is a moment to say, I'm going to let go of you. Although anxiety, you may try to go hold on to me and I am going to cling and sit upon the word of God, understanding it has more truth than anxiety has lies. Come on, somebody. The second thing is this, is he's, the right spot is this, is Moses was surrounded by the right people. He was surrounded by Aaron and her. And again, this is kind of a crazy image, but I drew in my, my little um, notebook as I was studying this is like, I was just, I, I, I drew a rock and that was what Moses was standing upon or whatever sitting upon and his hands were up, but on the left side is her, which by the way, his name means a hole. A real deep thought there, you know what I'm saying? And then, and then, which is too bad for H U are her holding his hand up and what his name means. But on the right side, Aaron means a light bringer. And as I was processing and thinking about that, I actually thought like, no, actually, I think we both, in our life, we actually need an Aaron and we need a her. We need a person that is full of optimism, full of the word of life, full of the truth of God's word that they might speak into our situation. But yet we need to live in a little bit of reality, understanding our circumstances. Do y'all get what I'm saying? We need those both people. And I think so many of us, we like, man, we like shun the pessimist or the realist going like, no, I just need the optimist. Or on the flip side, like some of us that are more, opt- or, uh, more pessimist or more realist, you know, to make yourself feel better. Um, like, like we look at the optimist and say, you're too much. But I'm telling you, I believe that God, like I was just thinking about this before, like when I walked out of first service, I was thinking like, no, like God, you know what? Like God, God, needs you or God wants you. You need God. And guess what else you need? You need people. If God didn't need any people, you know who he made? He would have made Adam and it would have just stopped. And it would have been Adam and just God. And someone needs to hear that. Like, no, like you need to position yourself on the truth of God's words and you need to surround yourself with an Aaron and her. And then you need to look down back into the valley that God took you out of and let him be your salvation, which by the way, that's what Joshua means. Today is an invitation. It's an invitation to walk out of the valley with God, to walk away from anxiety, say, yeah, I met you, but I don't want to stay with you. And it's not a battle that you can control, but it is a outcome that God wants to help you overcome, to be able to walk past anxiety and to stand upon his word, to be surrounded by people and let God determine the outcome. Some of you come into the church and you've done this for years and maybe you continually have the same situation happen over and over. You not be able to overcome the things that God or the things that are in your life. And I'll just tell you this, as I, I think a lot of it comes down to who we're surrounding ourselves with. 
And again, another little shameless plug, table communities are kicking off. And you've never joined one of those groups. This is a great opportunity for you to surround yourself with people that are like Aaron and her. And guess what? I honestly do think like some of us, we have a certain level of anxiety or depression or concern or worry that like not only do we need God to come fight our battles, we need a Joshua that's a professional to go into the battle and help you come out with a better outcome. I could preach to somebody. 44 days ago, I came home and I started dealing with the inflammation in my ankle and eventually moved to my knee, which really caused a lot of concern. And, and uh, I mean, I was freaking out like, cause I'd never experienced anything like it where it was just ongoing. It wasn't that the pain wasn't necessarily, um, it wasn't getting better unless I was taking some pills and, and then, and then the swelling wasn't going down. And eventually my friends, <laughs> some of the hers in my life came next to me and said, you need to go to the doctor. And so I went there and they diagnosed me after a few, uh, a few weeks, they diagnosed me with a potential reactive arthritis. It's an autoimmune self-limited type of arthritis set off by some stress, <laughs> which was very timing as we were going and timely while we were coming into this series. It's a stress that actually could be, could come from some kind of infection, could be some physical stress, it could be some emotional, and it may not re- reoccur. And as I was talking to a friend about my symptoms and, and this person was kind of an alternative method to try to deal with some of the swelling, uh, she asked me, she said, um, have you been stressed lately? Have you gone through some abnormal stress uh, recently, and, and I was like, nah, nah, there's nothing like that's been much different than in the past. And, and actually, I hung up the phone just like if you guys remember the very first message when Christy came up and she went to a doctor and they asked her a bunch of questions. When she got in her car, she starts crying and realizing she was lying. And man, I just admire Christy's willingness to be so honest about that. And then she went back in and got the help she needed. But for me, after I got off the phone, I started introspecting, going like, no, actually, if I reverse engineer the month before I got sick, was I more stressed? This is what happened. It actually helped me realize my, my situation. The month kicked off with the death of a friend. Within that week, I had a heavy conversation with a friend that was having a major relational conflict and wasn't sure if they'd be able to overcome it. There was a 10-day road trip to Florida and somebody like, no, what did we talk about stress? No, four of those were driving for 10 to 12 hours a day, you know, and part of that is going through Chicago while it's snowing. Come on, someone say stress. <laughs> it was a great time, but I'm telling you, it was not great driving. Uh, and the few days after I returned, we had uh, celebrated Easter, which seems to be a pretty big deal for churches uh, and a little additional stress right after Easter a couple days later I had a rental inspection and and every time I show my rental there's always something more I've got to fix which just creates more stress and and then uh, just a few days later Christy and I went to a conference and we were able to speak just shortly it was a real quick day trip uh, but we kind of went there and gave our all and came home really tired, woke up in the morning, and then we did stoke the fire uh, all worship night and gathering, which was a long, was may, might have been a short day for some of you, or some of you were like, man, that was a long service. Well, it was a really long day for me and the band, and, and it was just a lot that we'd, we had given. And, and then I came home that night, and just a few hours later, we woke up way early in the morning and flew down to Alabama and went to this conference. And I'm telling you what, we woke up the conference and we put the conference to bed. Every night, every day, it was full Blair, relational, hanging out with pastors, getting our own little counseling. And then I got back in the plane at 3 a.m. in the morning, or or drove to their plane, and then by that, by noon, my issue was overstated in my ankle. And what I realized is this, I wasn't fine. I was lying to myself. And some of you come into this space And if I asked you, are you stressed? Are you dealing with anxiety? Do you have any other kind of life circumstance? You would tell me it's fine, but today I wanna tell you that it is not fine. And today isn't a great opportunity for you to give up the control and let God determine the outcome of the battle that you might be in today.
Now, I'm not a counselor for a reason, because if I was a counselor, I would stand before you, and, and when, I, when you talk about your anxiety, I would just tell you, well, I'm gonna tell you what I can't tell you. I would tell you that you should just get over it. <laughs> but I can't tell you that. But, and, and, and again, like if you were to tell me, like in the peak of my anxiety, my stress of not knowing what was going on with my own physical health, you were like, well, Andy, just get over it. Like I probably would have punched you in the face. Like, okay, I get it. Like, it's not the best thing to say. Don't ever say it. Like it's a horrible thing. But what I want to tell you is this, is those who are dealing with depression, those who are dealing with anxiety, those who are dealing with the pressures of your life, you might be navigating through circumstances. There are three things that I want you to hear today. Number one is there is hope in your situation. Number two, this isn't forever. And number three, you do not need to do this alone. Come on, someone say amen. amen. I don't care what you came in here, there is hope. That your circumstance is not forever. And we can do this with you. And so Jesus, today we come and we just say, God, we give up control. God, I just sense for some of us, we hold on to anxiety as if we're holding on to a teddy bear. We didn't just meet anxiety, we became its best friend. And God, I just sense in, in, in a deep, deep, rooted sense, God, that God, that you are in, you're in the business of deliverance today. Like legit deliverance and healing, God, and restoration. And, and God, not by my words, but by your power and your Holy Spirit, I just ask that you would just go ahead and rush into this place and rush into our hearts and our mind with hope that is unexplainable. That God, today you would whisper and you would etch into our hearts and our mind, God, that this isn't forever. And God, that you would help surround us with the people that would be able to fight the battles with us, God, as you determine the outcome, the outcome that is full of love, the outcome that is full of joy, the outcome that is full of peace, God, in the midst of our enemies. So Jesus, here we are, have your way in our life. In Jesus' name, and you say, amen. amen. Is God good? Amen. I go to church, but you stand up. Every week we pray a prayer, and that prayer reminds us that we aren't in control. And that life to the full starts with a surrender. So if you've come in here far from God, you don't have a relationship with God, this is a great way to start to have the conversation and say, Jesus, <laughs> to say to Jesus, God, we don't have this figured out. Let's pray this together. Jesus, I surrender. I have more questions than answers, but I choose to follow you anyway. I acknowledge that you lived, you died, you rose again, all with us in mind. I accept the rescue that you offer. Save me and lead me in Jesus' name and his authority. Amen. Let's press into God today.
give God some praise for this morning. You know what I was thinking about was that Andy's talking about this 44-day journey. And Pastor Andy is a godly man, and I've known him for a really long time, and I love watching him take steps of, like, vulnerability and talking about, like, I, you don't know how hard this, well, maybe you do, but like how hard this last few months were for Andy because he was not physically able to do the things he wanted to do. And you know what's crazy is God used that lack of the physical ability to do the things he wanted to do to produce the message today and get us to a place where he got to share. God cares so much about you that he will allow your circumstances to be the lesson teacher. He cares. And so I just want to encourage you that sometimes when we're in the midst of the 44 days, we hate every second of it. But the 44 days are what draw us closer to God and help us be more of who we're supposed to be. So just an encouragement today. Uh, we love to celebrate people at Echo, and we want to celebrate a couple groups. Those that came for the very first time today, we are so glad you're here. Thanks for being here. Always hard to go to a new church. We get it. Another group we want to celebrate is those that said the prayer with us for the first time or the first time in a long time. Come on. Let's celebrate with those guys. 